You pour your heart into your business, you give to your clients, and you take care of your family and your community. And you put off taking care of yourself. When you only focus on doing, you bottle up your emotions, which taxes your body and depletes your energy. You struggle to show up, to keep up, and to create results. My name is Dr. Mary Maduna Gross. About 10 years ago, I burned out of the only career I thought I'd ever have. I got divorced, and I was crushed with chronic illness and pain. Now I have a business that I love, a husband I can grow with, and my health is on track. Through the power of coaching, I have come to recognize the resilience and power I carry within my soul. You have this resilience and power as well. Welcome to Inflow with Soul, where we create the space for playful restoration. Space to pause, to play, and to connect with your soul. Because when you take care of you, your results will take care of themselves. Welcome everyone to another episode of Inflow with Soul. Today, my guest is Stephanie Hanrahan. She was just your seemingly average housewife until she grew tired of pretending and decided to make her public journal, excuse me, her private journal public. Since sharing her story, Stephanie has achieved viral success with her website, Tinkles Her Pants, which chronicles her journey as a wife to a husband with chronic illness, a mother to special needs children, and a woman who unravels and then finds her footing again. She can be found leaking nothing but the truth on the Today Show, CNN, Yahoo News, Google, the Daily Mail, and most recently, her TEDx talk, The Problem with Being Perfect. Stephanie is also a founding board member of the 501c3 nonprofit Labeled and Loved, which provides online resources and connective in-person experiences for special needs families, as well as the host of Labeled and Loved podcast. Stephanie, thank you so much for making the time to be with us today. Thank you for having me. Truly a pleasure. Uh, this is this is wonderful. Um, now, listeners probably don't realize, but we I usually have an interview with the guests before we do a recording. And one of the things that I don't think I mentioned to you, Stephanie, in our previous conversation is that my first career was in special education. I was a special education teacher and a director. And, and so we're, we're here today. Um, business has brought us together, right? Talking yeah. about ent- entrepreneurship, but we also have that other connection of knowing, uh, having experienced you as a parent of children with disabilities and I as the educator and, and, and I know that sometimes those can be really challenging relationships. So, um, well, what an amazing, um, you know, kind of through line, which has just been really the story of my life is that our stories connect us. And so knowing that about you now, I feel even more connected in this conversation because, um, the more I feel like willing you are to share and to speak your truth and your story aloud, the more doors that seem to open, whether that's professionally or personally. So I'm glad that we have that connection in common. Yeah, I am too. And today, I know we're going to talk about um, your website and, and the work that you're doing. But before we get to that, let's set up your you as a businesswoman. Now, in your... By right in your bio here, we talked about you were a housewife. 
So what that says to me is that you didn't know at the time that there would be this opportunity for business. You didn't necessarily see yourself as an entrepreneur. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think in a sense. I mean, I um, I had always wanted to be a writer. That was always, a, you know, kind of the dream job of mine growing up. I knew it was one of my strengths, but I had to put myself through college. And so um, I chose a safe career in nursing because I knew, you know, no matter where this life led, big town or small, I would always have a job, right? There was right. career stability. Whereas with a writer or a journalist or um, even in TV news, there's so many different routes you can take and some of them aren't successful. And so um, I did labor and delivery nursing for several years. And um, during that time, I just thought, I thought I couldn't wait to get married and have kids. That was just going to be my dream job. Okay. And I got into that dream job and it turns out that I wanted to pivot and turn. And that is not you know, discrediting my love for my children. But I think some personalities are more fitted for carving out that season of your life solely for your children. And then there's some personalities like mine where there were days it felt horribly unfulfilling. I felt like I had given and exerted all of my energy and all of myself, yet at the same time, I didn't really have to think or be challenged. Um, And so, yes, I in the back of my head, I always thought, what if, what if there's more, right? Mm-hmm. What if there's a bigger plan for me and for my life and my career and my family? But to your credit, I, I did not know the route that was going to reveal itself to get me there. And you, so you're on this path, you go to school, get your degree and you have a steady job and a job that you seem to, even as you're talking about it, you light up about it. It seems like you feel, yeah. you felt fulfilled. Is that fair? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So then you get your dream job, though, of being a wife and mother. So tell me then, when does this journal start to come about? Well, the infamous journal. So I had journaled all my life, um, you know, old school paper and pen style. um, And I you know, um, kind of phased that out throughout the years, which I think was probably looking back a red flag of losing myself a little bit in motherhood. I had two children, um, pretty back to back. They're, they're exactly two years apart. And so, um, when my daughter was about two and a half, my son was six months old. Um, our family was forever changed by her autism diagnosis. And then later on, very shortly thereafter, my son would be diagnosed as well. And um, my husband was having some really unexpected um, health complications during that time. And it just felt like everything that I had dreamed of in my head when I said I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, when I pictured what my family would look like, it was transpiring to be something completely different. And I was really having to grieve the ideas I had in my head of what life would be. And so the day my daughter was actually diagnosed, the very same day, I came home, put her down for a nap, and I was searching for a paper journal because I needed a space to just you know, blah, just yeah. pour it all out. And that was my, my go-to growing up. It was, it was writing. It was therapeutic for me. And so I couldn't find a paper journal around the house. And of course she was sleeping, so I couldn't leave. So I grabbed my phone and downloaded Instagram. I didn't have an Instagram account. I didn't want an Instagram account, 
but I um, figured you always have your phone with you. And this is, you know, a, a space where I can put a real photo up and put a real caption. This is going to be my, my journal. I don't want friends or followers. My husband didn't even know about it. It's my private journal. And so if you scroll back, the very first picture is me holding her. And I have these dark circles under my eyes from crying so much. Yeah. It was diagnosis day. I had no idea what the future would hold. And for about two years, I kept that private journal going. I didn't tell anyone about it. I would just come sometimes daily, sometimes twice a day, and just pour my heart onto that page. And little did I know that um, releasing my truth only to myself was soon going to impact um, many more people as well. So when did you start to realize that your story was catching on with other people? Well, no one knew about it. It was private. It was locked down. You couldn't okay. find me even if you searched for it. But what ended up happening is I was keeping up this kind of duplicitous online life. I was, you know, pouring my real self onto the pages of that private Instagram. But publicly on my, you know, public Facebook profile, I was keeping up perfection. I was so scared to drop that armor thinking that, you know, the more perfect I could be, the more... Um, Ad admired and loved and um, not pitied for my problems. You know, sure. I was keeping up this facade. And so there was two years of that where I would post my pretty and then conceal my cracks. Yeah. And um, what ended up happening is I posted our most recent family photos and you know, those yearly annual photos, they're your most perfect curated filtered posed shots and um, I posted on my public page and the comments poured in, you know, your kids are so beautiful and you guys look great. And then there was one comment that completely changed my life. Somebody said, you are perfect. Hmm. And it just gutted me because I'm like, oh, Stephanie, you are putting out your highlight reel, but that's a fraction of your real life. Your real life is on the pages of that private Instagram. Show people that. And so that comment completely changed me. I said, I'm not perfect. Here you go. And I made that private journal public. And very shortly thereafter, um, my story went viral and I ended up um, not only being able to be personally free and share my story, but then um, publications and different businesses started to take note and said, you've got a great story, but you're a really strong writer too. Right. And that's kind of how life came to be for me. That's amazing. I, I love stories of how we find who, who, we're, who we want to be and who we want to grow into. And one of the things that I'm hearing is that even as you were putting up, here's the, here's the pretty, right? Because I want people not to pity me. I want people to like me, love me, those kinds of things. It's when you got that feedback, this is your perfect, then there was too much of a disconnect between mm -hmm. the position that you wanted to put, put out there and what you were really feeling in your heart. Yeah. I always say, you know, um, I like pretty photos, but I like the story behind them even better. Exactly. Right. So I don't think there's anything wrong with um, posting your family photos and posting your real life. I just happen to like the story behind it. I want to know who that person is that we can't see, because it turns out, at least in my case, that's been my connective tissue. That's what's 
connected me with women from over a hundred different countries that I've heard from who all tell me their stories. And even if our stories are not exactly similar in circumstance, the feelings are universal. Exactly. The feelings of wanting acceptance or grief or loss or, you know, overcoming and joy, those feelings are universal to everybody's story. Agreed. And so the more comfortable we are sharing it, I feel like the more connected we'll be. I, I love that. Now, there's, again, another leap then between being willing to share your true story and then creating a business from this. So talk to me a little bit about that stage of the evolution. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I share my story and it looks like, oh my goodness, she just goes viral and then she gets all these followers and all of these deals to write. And that would be, again, posting the pretty. What's behind that is a lot of hard work. And I always say that anything that I've ever succeeded at is like this much, just a fraction of happenstance and like an overwhelming amount of hard work. So um, the way that I started, you know, getting, because you can be a great writer. Let me, let me just say this. You can be a fantastic writer. You can be a fantastic, um, I always give the analogy of a singer. You could be Whitney Houston, but stuck in a coffee shop all of your life if no one sees you, right? If no one sees right. your talent. And so as I kind of got my footing and felt comfortable sharing my story, um, I then started to get to work. I would write and pitch, write and pitch. I would go to all of these people in the industry that I saw were doing well, and I tried to emulate their model. I would write for them and say, hey, I wrote this piece. Will you share it? And for every big hit I've had, for every, you know, 200,000 shares on an article, I have written probably 100 equally as well-written articles that go nowhere. And so that's where the hard work comes in. And it looks like, you know, sometimes people have overnight success or overnight fame, but what you don't see is me plugging away at the computer, pouring my soul into this work and having it go nowhere because it's just, you know, the wrong time and place or space for it. Right. So tell me then, what were, did you have an idea what you were even building for a business? You knew you wanted to write. You had people talking to you about your writing skills. How did that translate then into a business? Oh, it's hard because I feel in a sense, um, I, I am my business, right? I am my story. And so um, there's a pros and cons to that. So Um, I knew that I had a very multifaceted story. So when you, you see, you know, um, I, I don't tend to coin myself as an influencer, but I'm going to use it in this scenario. When you see influencers online that are sharing snippets of their story, you may go to them for their advice if they are in um, the mental health space or go to them if they are an autism mom for autism. And what I ended up realizing how and why this could be a business and why I could then freelance and work for so many businesses is because my story is so multifaceted. Um, I have, I'm very open with anxiety and depression that I suffer from. I've had infertility issues. I obviously am a mother to special needs. Um, I work closely with the American Heart Association because I found my husband on the floor with his heart failing and he is going to need a transplant to continue living. And so um, as I really started to dawn on me that 
my story was going to then connect and resonate with different businesses and different spaces that I wanted to get in and work with. And then that was actually how I was going to grow my business as well. I was going to share those different parts of my story as a writer strategically with these different spaces that were growing and doing well. Um, And so the good news is I have a very colorful story and can talk about a lot. So if you come to my page or, you know, I'm working on a book right now, if you buy my book, it's not a one trick pony. There's a lot of different things that people can take from it. Um, But I think that the disadvantages, um, I saw this on Shark Take one time, Mr. Wonderful said, you know, if you go hit, get hit by a bus tomorrow, there goes your brand, right? I am my business. And so um, that's kind of where the nonprofit work started to come into play that what can live on beyond me. That was then my goal. Interesting. So you're in all of these conversations with people in different arenas, let's just say, different circles, right? And now you have this inspiration to start a nonprofit. Yeah. And did it rise up from some of those conversations that you were having? Or did you kind of have this dream and then saw the people who could help you make that a reality? You know, it goes back to to networking and having my hand in so many different businesses. Um, So I was pre-pandemic, I was booked to speak at a retreat for special needs moms. I was going to be one of their speakers. And of course, we know, we know what happened right in 2020. No use rehashing that, but events all came to a quick halt. And um, the women who were, had founded um, a separate nonprofit that from the one I'm, I'm working with now, but they said, Um, you know, we've had to pivot and turn our plan for 2020. um, And we know we just had approached you about speaking, but um, we are actually looking to combine our nonprofits into this one business called Labeled and Loved. And um, as we're doing this, as we're merging our business, we want you to come on board as a founding um, board member and co-creator. And is this something you would be interested in? Um, and it was, you know, some, some decisions take me a while to pull the trigger on and others just feel instinctively right. And this kind of aligned with my whole, what can live on beyond me? What can I pour myself in my, um, marketing and my social media acumen that I've learned and also my professional public speaking and writing and also a topic I'm passionate about, labeled and loved. It's for loving anybody that um, feels ostracized, different, labeled. Um, we're working a lot with the special needs community now, but the truth of the matter is we all have labels, right? We all have things that define us yeah. as being different. And so um, we're working in so many different spaces now, but that's how it kind of came to be. It was one of those... Um, moments where my business plan for 2020 went completely out the window and I had to think about what would be next. And this felt like a very natural, nice extension and next step. I think that's one of the things that I love most about this entrepreneurship journey is that my goal is to know the direction that I want to head in. And these are in general, these are the outcomes that I want to create But I also want to leave it wide open for anything else to happen in my best interest. Let me put that out there, (laughs) you know, for the universe that's listening. (laughs) But 
just like with you, you know, coming together with this nonprofit, you, you had some some possible ideas about it. But then suddenly, as you were saying, happenstance before, sometimes the right the universe comes together and presents us with exactly what we've asked for, even though we didn't even know exactly what we were asking for. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you're just you lead with the intention of putting good, hard, honorable work into this world. You never know. Life can change in an instant. Absolutely. In an instant. And I um, and you never know who's watching. And so that has been part of my um, personal business model too, is to make sure that whatever um, job I am doing, I am doing it number one with integrity, but that I also stand um that I can, it, it holds up for me, that it is my truth. Because here's the deal. It is, especially when you're in the online world and you are selling yourself, mm-hmm. um, there, there's some harsh critics out there and you've got to grow a tough, tough, thick skin. And the only advice I can give to that is that I am not here to manage response. I am here to release my truth. And so as long as I feel good about the work that I've done and what I've released, then it doesn't matter if you say I'm an award-winning author or I'm a deadbeat mom. It doesn't matter because I have done work that has held up to my standards and my truth. Um, And that's why I don't read any comments. I don't read any comments on anything that has gone viral. Um, I read everything that comes to my page because that is my community. Okay. That is a space for women to tell their stories too. And I want to read those and embrace them. But anything that gets sent off to these big places, it is just my truth. I let it go. And I just wait for the ripple effect if there is one. I love that. I think that's something I need to hear more often as well. I really appreciate you sharing that. It's a tough, um, I think, I think with any entrepreneur, you're looking for validation. And sometimes when you're starting out, you're wondering, am I in the right space? Am I doing the right thing? Are people receiving it well? Right. Um, And so I had to be validated by the fact that, you know, my analytics were growing and people were writing to me with their own stories and then businesses were taking note and advertisers were wanting to work with me. So I was validated that like I was getting, of course, some kind of return on my work. It was going well, but for me personally, Personally, I was never, ever going to put my worth in the hands of of a keyboard warrior who probably wouldn't say those same things to my face. So I love that. Now, what I'm wondering about as I'm listening to you tell this, uh, the story about even facing external critics, how do you deal with your internal critic? The one Mm. that says, Ooh, I've got, you know, I've got the husband, I've got kids, I've got myself. How do you deal with feeling like maybe you're not showing up or maybe you don't? I mean, do you ever feel like I'm not showing up enough for my family versus my business? You know, that whole oh. balance. Oh, the time. I mean, that's so I had a um, actually when we joined the I joined the board of Labeled and Loved, we did the Enneagram test just for fun. So the four founding board members could kind of learn each other's personalities. Right. And I had never researched that or or really even heard or read much about the Enneagram, but I am a type one. And so what I have learned about that is we are the eternal critic when we're at our worst, right? When we're at our healthiest, we're an activist. And uh, when we're at our unhealthiest, we can sometimes be those cynical critics, especially to ourselves. And so I deal with that 
all the time. I may have been able to block out the external, but for the internal, I will always have that feeling um, of being not good enough. And have I done enough? And I'll tell you this, this kind of personality can serve you well in business, right? Because I'm always a more, more, more like I'll achieve something. Like I did the Ted talk and then I was like, what's next? Like, but it also is a personal disadvantage because you never really relish in the moment or celebrate yourself. Um, and you never really feel like, man, okay, I've arrived or I can stop working or worrying in my case. Um, and so yes, all the time, I think, um, how do I silence it? I've never been able to silence it. I've been able to turn down the volume. Okay. And I think the way that I do that is surrounding myself with, um, with things, with people that feel the most right and the most real. Okay. Um, that also, and this is such taboo advice for somebody who works in social media, is I turn off my screen a lot. I do a lot of set it and forget it. I post like a crock pot, set it and forget it. I don't want to, I, and, and I, I can't, I have to have a real life versus my work life, my online life. Um, and so, especially this year where so much has gone virtual, I have to step away. Um, I have to read the work and words of other writers to refill myself um, I then find people who have similar stories, who have tried and failed a million times before they succeeded. So those are all ways I try to turn down the volume on the, you know, you're not good enough. You're not going anywhere. Why are you even saying this? No one cares. But those thoughts, of course, are still there. Uh, yes. Apparently that's a type one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. How do you know, or what are those, um, I'll call them signs or symptoms that you know that you are losing your footing, right? That you're um, get letting too, the volume on the inner critic is too high. Oh gosh. Um, I have um, anxiety. And so like, I can always feel a peak in that. I can feel like I'm worrying about unnecessary things. So that's part of my unraveling is I will go down the rabbit hole of what ifs, you know, especially with my children. Um, What if this happens to them? What if they're not getting the right therapies? What if I put them at the wrong school? What if the wrong person gets a hold of their beautiful spirits, you know, and you can, you can spiral down that what if path pretty fast. Um, And so that's how I always know I'm at a little bit of a breaking point. Um, how do I get my footing again? This is going to sound completely ridiculous, but I have little tiny things that I do um, self-care wise. And I hate the word self-care because I feel like it gets this bad rap of like manicures and pedicures and all of that. And we don't have always the time and resources for those things. Mm-hmm. So I will do things within my home, um, especially stuck in quarantine for so long to regain my footing. So I get up and I make my bed every day because if it's unmade and I work from home, I'm more likely to be like, I'll just sit down for a second. And that's really bad for my productivity and for my mental health. So I make my bed. Um, I always get dressed and by get dressed, I mean, it's just a nicer version of loungewear (laughs) because nobody is seeing us these days. So why, why keep up the facade that we're actually getting dressed? No, I just put on the better yoga pants that I've ordered from Amazon. 
Um, and again, I try to connect with um, people, but also remembering that I am not externally validated. I try to connect with myself. So that looks for me like reading and a good cup of coffee Mm -hmm. um, and getting off of the scrolling. The scrolling for me equates to numbing sometimes, right? Like we have these intense thoughts and feelings that come in and what do we do? We scroll and scroll and scroll and numb. And so I try to be mindful of that too. Put it away. Yeah, right. So um, your self-care routine then um, is that, do you have time set aside for reading or time just to listen to yourself or do you fit that in around during your day? Um, I schedule it. I'm a scheduler to no one's surprise. Um, I'm very, um, I wake up and I I move my body and make my bed. So even if that's a walk or a stretch, it doesn't have to be, you know, physical Um, crazy amounts of exertion and exercise, but I make my bed, I move my body. I have certain touch points throughout my day that um, make me feel good. Like I just found this great honey blueberry coffee that I love. And so I know I always drink my coffee at two o'clock, right? So I have this like touch point during my day to look forward to. And it's those small joys. It's those small self-care ideas that I think pull us through. Um, I do have... And sometimes it doesn't always go as planned, but I try to make, um, because I work with so many different organizations and companies and I've got the nonprofit, um, I still this year try to be a writer because that's where I all start. It started and um, I'm working hard on a book and that's been a challenge because right now I write these short stories and it's instant gratification. It's write it, release it, either get paid for it or get follower attainment um, and recognition. And so writing a book is, oh my goodness, it's a different form of writing. And you don't know if you're going to spend three years of your life on something that no one will even pick up. Right. Like, Oh, but Thursdays are my book days. And so I clear my schedule to write for a certain amount of time. Um, I read for a certain amount of time. Um, I came up with a goal that for 2021, I was going to read 21 minutes a day. Um, It's not a lot, but I was finding myself just so distracted that I wasn't getting in my time. So um, little things like that are definitely what I would encourage people to implement. That's, I I love the both flexibility as well as structure to your plan. Um, have you noticed what happens, uh, or, or do you notice a difference on those days that you honor those schedules and, and you do the self-care routines versus those days that you tell yourself, I'm too busy for this today. I'll, I'll read tomorrow. Do you have those? Yeah. Do you ever do that? Oh, hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. I feel like, um, I feel like my time management is worse. I feel like mentally I'm more scattered and to feel less accomplished. Um, There's something really beautiful about being able to check things off a list for me Um, in the same way that it's good for kids to be on a nap schedule, right? Like I think it's pretty, I mean, I don't know. I was only a nurse, not a doctor, but I would say it's pretty scientifically proven that children need a certain amount of sleep, right? So do we. Um, and, And we need a certain amount of other things too, meals and and time to ourself. And I think that um, when you are working and you're a mom, um, it's really easy to feel depleted um, because you haven't built yourself up enough. 
And so I am also, this is a form of self-care. I'm really good at telling my spouse when I need a break. um, And I'm really good at actually taking it. Um, You know, for Mother's Day this year, he's like, what do you want? And I said, I'm getting a hotel by myself (laughs) because I need to just step away. I'm not going to bring my laptop. I'm going to have my latte and maybe get a massage and be alone in a room. (laughs) That sounds heavenly. So Yes, I definitely notice a difference when I'm not asking for those things and then actually following through and doing them. Isn't it amazing how much those, we hear about self-care and I think you mentioned it earlier too, like there seems to be somewhat of a resistance to it. Um, And part of it is A, uh, I hear from my clients is, well, I don't know what I would do or B, I don't really have time for it. Which is why I, I've noticed, too, on the days that I miss my self-care, I give that up for something else. Mm. It's the same things. I'm less productive. I'm more scattered. I'm not focused. And the work that I'm doing seems to take a whole lot more energy. It's like being on a 10-speed bike, right? And I'm, and I'm pedaling really, really fast, but I'm not really getting anywhere. Versus when yeah. I take those the time to do that self-care... And I'm on my 10-speed bike. Now I'm getting more um, energy from each pedal stroke. It's slower, it's mm. more deliberate, and there's more power behind it. Yeah. Oh, I love that analogy. There's a really beautiful quote that says, time isn't something we have, it's something we make. And um, I have always remembered that and kept it in my mind because how many, what you just referenced, people will always say, myself included, I don't have the time. I don't have the time. I don't have the time. Time is not something you have. It's something you make. You do have the time. You have it. You can make it. You can carve out different routes to get to where you want to go. And especially in business and entrepreneurship, I mean, it would be real. I'm my own boss. There's nothing preventing me from, instead of taking this call with you today, going and sitting on my couch. Absolutely. And watching Bravo. (laughs) There's nothing preventing. There's no boss over me except me. So um, I think for anybody who's pursuing that as well, it's really important to keep in mind that you have to set those ground rules for yourself if you want to succeed. Absolutely. And I, and I like your um, using the metaphor of a boss too, right? Because the first thing that popped into my mind is we have bosses that we like to work for and we have bosses that we don't like to work for. And we've already talked about your the inner critic, but are, mm. is there any other part of you as a boss that you find difficult to work for? Does that, does that make mm. sense? Oh, that's a great question. I think that I it would it would kind of go back and it aligns a little bit with the inner critic that I am the type of boss who doesn't relish and celebrate enough the accomplishments of the person who's doing the work. I think um, I'm so quick to want to move forward and attain more and aspire to be. And so it is very rare for me to um, sit back and say, good job, or to, um, you know, make an expense something, right, at the benefit of the hard work you've done. I remember after I did my TED Talk, it had to be virtual because of COVID, and it was such a bummer. And, um And we didn't do anything to celebrate because everything was shut down. And I kind of just moved on to the next thing. And so that's not a good boss. You don't want a boss who who just says, you know, oh, that's nice that, you know, you did a TED Talk. 
Okay, what else can you do? Right, well, moving on now. So that kind of goes back to my critic of just being able to stop in the moment and have fun, right? Sometimes we forget to do that too. Absolutely. And fun is definitely part of self-care. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Stephanie, I really appreciate your your story, your insights, what your experience has been as an entrepreneur and, and a wife and a mother and all the things that you're balancing. I know I've learned a lot from you today, and I really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Now, before we leave, is there, tell listeners where they can find you and um, how they can connect with you. Sure. I um, I can be found at tinklesherpants.com. I always feel like I need to preface <laughs> why it's called Tinkles Her Pants. It's because I um, I live for the moments that make you laugh, cry, and leak a little, but that's not always real life. Real life is hard and real life can wreck you and real life deserves to be done with real people. And so this was my attempt to find my real people. So I laugh, cry, and leak the truth on tinklesherpants.com. And I am at tinklesherpants on um, Facebook and on Instagram as well. And then you can also find me as a host of the Labeled and Loved podcast on all anywhere you listen to your podcasts and at labeledandloved.org. If you are a special needs um, mother, woman, caregiver, um, we would love to love on you. You do so much for other people. And um, this Labeled and Loved is a space for us to do something for you to refill your cup. Sounds beautiful. Well, once again, Stephanie, thank you so much for sharing your heart and your story with us. I know that um, it will inspire many. Thank you so much. All right. Hi, this is Mary. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you are coming away feeling maybe a little inspired, maybe a little more informed, or maybe just rested. Most of all, I hope you're coming away feeling empowered. If you do, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes. But most importantly, please pass along this sense of empowerment to your friends and to your networks. Thank you so much for your support. I appreciate you.